This is Top Landing Gear. Hello and welcome to a Top Landing Gear Platinum Jubilee bonus episode. Now, millions of people around the world will have seen the spectacular flypast over London, marking the 70th anniversary of the Queen's reign, her Platinum Jubilee. Now, one of the highlights of that flypast, made up of 70 aircraft from the Navy, Army and Air Force, was the number 70, created by 15 RAF typhoons in perfect formation. And I'm delighted to be joined by one of the pilots in that formation, flying the aircraft at the top right-hand corner of the number seven, squadron leader Zane said it. Zane, I mean, what a proud moment for everybody. I mean, for all your friends, I, although I have to say, I didn't even know I was watching you at the time until you bombarded us all with your WhatsApp pictures, which is brilliant. So immediately we felt very proud, but I guess a really proud moment for you and the boys too. Uh, it was superb. Uh, I was very fortunate to have uh, taken part in the RF 100 that we did a few years ago. And, um, but this was superb. We had um, so the, a contingent, mi mixed contingent from RF Lossy Mouth and RF Coningsby, and a mixture of all abilities. I mean, what some of the, we had uh, the, the most junior pilot on my squadron taking part as well. So we had some experienced guys, and then obviously the guys starting out their, their early career. It was brilliant, Rob. Really fascinating. And as Ezra was saying, there's 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 never going to be a, a platinum jubilee again. I don't think so in in, in our life lifetime. So uh, such an amazing thing. Absolutely. And so you talk about that you had the youngest pilot. You as an experienced pilot. I didn't realise you'd done the hundred as well. Which was how many typhoons was that made up of? Um, I think that's, off the top of my head, we. Now I think we got. I think it was about twenty two to make that. Wow. Um, I can think actually. Yeah, about t maybe twenty-two or twenty-three. Uh, public mm. math. I'm trying to think. So it's, but and it and of course, in addition to that, there's even more airframes that need to be available for 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 running for a spare or even airborne spare. So that was quite a feat in itself. Mm. A lot more planning went into that. Um, probably about eighteen months worth of planning. Whereas uh, really, this was uh, not you know not far off that scale. But really, the 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 flying planning only really started in earnest uh, in March. Oh right, okay. So yeah, you had you said you had a really young pilot on on your team. So how was the the team that was going to make up those fifteen typhoons? You said somewhere from Lossie, which is your base, uh, others yeah, from Coningsby. How did you decide? That's who was right. Going to be it was that? very uh, very important to just have a that it was a, a wing effort, a typhoon wing effort. So it wasn't going to. So even among within the the seven and the zero, it wasn't the case of you know a particular squadron or a particular main operating base was was flying one of those figures. So it, we were sort of scattered throughout the the, the seventy. Um, it was difficult actually, as with anything, you find out numbers to pick who wants to do it. So um, <clears throat> I I was actually in charge of the the lossy mouth contingent, and I sort of knew that we had to have three people from my squadron, three people from another squadron at Lossie, and two from the remaining squadron up here. Um, I left the individuals on those squadrons to pick who they wanted. And um, 
and I had to just, uh, yeah, I, I experienced one of those things in leadership. I just had to tell somebody that they they, they were successful and tell the others <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> I mean, I imagine most guys really wanted to do it, didn't they? I absolutely. There was there were guys. I mean, that's that was the hard thing to try. You know, there there were only well, I I took up one of the places, so there are only two other places going. Um, absolutely, you had guys who were saying, you know, express virtually everyone expressed an interest to do it, and why wouldn't they? I mean, it's it, it's brilliant. Some guys had never done anything like this before. There are some guys who have taken past in fly pasts, uh, individual fly pasts, or, or or smaller degrees. Um, uh, so yes, it was. It was. We went with a mixture of um, an experienced uh, person who's about to leave the squadron, and then I went with the the, the other side, the the youngest person, or the the most inexperienced person on the squadron. So, um, but plenty of plenty of offers, and uh, wasn't short of volunteers. So you were leading the the Lossimath wing, as it were. Was there an overall formation leader? I, I guess there was. Maybe that was. There was. So yes, the. The whole formation, and this is the the seventy odd aircraft that actually participated. That whole formation was called Windsor, um, and the overall lead of that uh, formation, uh, so almost like the mission commander, is exactly was uh, in fact um, OC twenty nine Squadron uh, uh, Wing Commander uh, Jim Calvert, and he was also the lead of Typhoon. Uh, formation, which was the 70 itself. So within that, obviously, you've got element leaders of their various platforms. What made up the 70 was obviously the seven and the zero. I was leading the seven element of that. Uh, JJ, Jim Calvert, led the zero um, element of that. And when they combined, that became typhoon formation. But JJ obviously had the the additional pressure that he was overall (laughs) Windsor formation lead. Yeah, that's quite a lot. He had quite a lot on this plate then. Absolutely. I think uh, I think we were talking about uh, the weather and how lucky we were with the weather. And I think that was before anything left the ground. I think that was the first thing he checked that morning. It was like, is the weather going to be good? Because it would have just been so much more difficult and a lot yeah. more pressure on his shoulders if, if he had to work around the weather. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess also not helped by the fact that you were operating from two separate bases. In terms of the the... The planning and then rehearsing. I imagine you rehearsed. Um, getting you the lot of you together somewhere to rehearse. I mean, how did that happen? Or maybe it didn't happen like that. So no, it, what we did, we did a little uh, detachment. So um the the lossy lossy debt flew down and we we decamped to, to Coningsby, actually. So that's where um we were staying probably just just short of two weeks before the execution day. Um so we flew a team down. Uh, our engineers had pre-positioned down there with uh, the aircraft that we contributed to the whole thing. Um, and from Coningsby, we we were able to brief as one team because, yes, up until, and, and that's a necessity, particularly with the way that the, the, the 70 formation was done amongst typhoons, it would have been very difficult for us to coordinate everything uh, from Lossmouth. And it's a hell of a long way to fly from Lossmouth down to London. <laughs> so, um, so everything Rob was done um, at Coningsby. We did the rehearsals there, and then um, as soon as it was job done for the Lossy Dot, it was like right back up to Scotland. Away you go. Really, back to your yeah. normal job of being what QRA. Well, yeah, here I am. So it was execution day on Thursday. Um, enjoyed a, a Friday and a Saturday, um, chilling out and then, uh, back to work today. So sitting, sitting in the QRA shed, as it's colloquially known, um, ready to pounce. Yeah. Yes. You're actually kitted up and ready to go while we Absolutely. do this interview. So I really hope I'm not in any way uh, com- compromising the, the defense of the nation here as we, we chat to you. 
Well, we'll say I say my my full belly on a Mexican is is more compromising. I think my ability to to sprint the aircraft is probably more more of the concern at the moment. All right, the chef's had a bit of a field day, has he? Oh, uh, chef's had a brilliant day. Um, so usually on the weekends there's a, a theme night, and uh, yeah, he excelled today. So um, yes, a full belly of Mexican food. And, uh, I'm not sure that's. <laughs> So Zane, going back to the formation, I mean, you were a, you're a former Red Arrow, of course. So I mean, you're used to flying these perfect formations. But if you think of the way the the Reds conduct one of these fly paths, they're usually, and I think I'm right in saying, a Vic type of formation. So you've got a single leader absolutely out of the front. But you say you were leading at the top of the seven, but there were actually three of you across that top bit of the seven. So how are who and how are each of the aircraft formating on one another? Yeah, that's that's really good, Robin. You obviously know exactly what you're talking about. It's yes, with all of the no, you're not. But you're absolutely <laughs> right. We have to. There is. There can only be sort of one one leader. Everyone's got to reference off that. Well, it makes the job easier. There's one reference point to go to, and everyone flies off that. So, yes, it was a little bit more added complication where you have a, and this will only happen in large formations where you're where you're having a, a different element forming a, a, a different formation, but. In the same time, formating against the master position, if you if you if you want to put it that way. Mm. So yeah, I I think the so uh, the leader of the zero, I said, was the overall leader of the seventy. So uh, everyone who was involved in flying the zero would be flying their formation reference off uh, off the lead jet there. Everyone flying in the seven was taking their reference off me, and we'll talk about the three guys, the, the two guys flying next to me. So. My job was to formate off the lead aircraft of the zero, oh. and yes, I've I've almost got to try and be, and I think that's where I I, I think it did help having a bit of formation experience was to because I try to be as smooth as I can because if I'm reacting wildly uh, or grossly to to formate off the, the, the who I'm referencing off, it's going to be much harder for the guys who are trying to formate off me because there's that sort of double layer. So, um, yeah, I just have to try and, you know, just mean out the average movement of the jet and be as good a, a good a good platform for the guys that are using me to fly off. Um, but, yes, your point about the, 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 the two guys that are flying next to me, I think they had um, the toughest job uh, out of the entire fly, fly pass, and I mean out of everyone that was flying in Windsor. Um, it's just because it's flying directly line abreast is is – is very difficult. Um, your head is turned exactly 90 degrees. And of course, visually, it's um, the most unforgiving of reference of, of, of positions to be. It's any, anyone can see a, a slight kink in a straight line more so than they might see minor differences in a, in a sort of echelon V-shaped uh, formation. So they did a great, great, great job. And um, so I, I, I had the easiest bit, which was just <laughs> trying to uh, maintain a position outside JJ. So uh, as with all these things, it's it's uh, you, out the front is the easiest place to be. It's the other guys who put it together. I think you're probably being very modest. But in, in terms of keeping it smooth, I mean, how are you doing constant adjustments on the throttle and, and on the stick? I mean, I know it's a very highly automated aircraft, the Typhoon, but... Are you really operating it all the time with just little, little movements just to keep keep in line? In which case, yeah. you know, yeah, everyone's doing the same thing. Yeah? Everyone's doing the same thing. The um, the lead aircraft probably has the luxury in the Typhoon, you can engage uh, an auto throttle, which will keep an actuator. And, and that's how the lead aircraft would have been would have been flying. So at least then there, there's a, a steady 
speeds being held held automatically by the aircraft systems. But every, everyone else is actually flying um, old school in effect. Um, nothing, pure hands and feet, um, and and hand to eye coordination. So there's there's no systems being used in in that formation uh, formation keeping uh, flying. Hmm. Um, the the hard bit is um, the key positions in any sort of large scale formation flying are the uh, the, the elements or the, the jets that fly immediately adjacent to the lead aircraft. And their job is very important. They've almost got to be as steady as they can be because they then set the formation for everyone else. If they're steady, if they're rock solid, then anyone who's who's flying outside of them or further down an echelon from them, uh, their job is made much more easy. If, you, if that person is is struggling or not a solid platform, it's like the end of a, uh, a whip. It exacerbates and, ex- and extrapolates the errors down the end. So, um, and reference your, your point about how do you fly it, how much it's, you try and be um, as smooth as you can. I think when I um, when I was in the, in the Reds, and it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a common thing throughout all formation flying, you learn to actually do very little. So if you're flying and trying to maintain a reference, the aircraft are always going to move around in their little piece of the sky next to the other aircraft. If you're continuously chasing perfection of the references every millisecond, then you're going to create those problems for everyone else. So you've almost got to learn to do nothing. If you if you find yourself off the references, it's probably just do nothing for the first few seconds because you will probably move back onto that naturally in the movement of your, your aircraft around that, that other jet. So it's do nothing initially. And then if you still find yourself off the references, it's take your time, try and do it slowly over a few seconds and that way you don't create in the large errors that um will, will have knock-on effects to anyone else trying to find next to you yeah that yeah. that sounds mighty skilled to me <laughs> in terms of getting the shape right um in, in practice how did you do that because those of you flying can't really see the shape so did you have someone flying what beneath or above you or was it a matter of flying over the airfield and you had a spotters down there how did you do no, that? exactly that rob so we have a um an aircraft a, a spare aircraft that will fly around the formation is known as the whip because um they they'll whip you into shape uh, <laughs> essentially because it's you can start off some of the formations so for instance the zero we formed a zero before in other formations, for instance, in the 100s. So those references, the corporate knowledge of those references were sort of handed down and there were some, some photographs. So that, that's as a good starting point. So look, the zero we've done before, the seven we hadn't done before. So um, initially, um, yes, there were people who would go out on the ground while the aircraft are, are on the concrete and look what jets look like alongside one another, get the measuring tape out, try and do some basic maths. So at least providing those, you know, um, 80% reference solutions. And then we'll take those airborne, get established on those references. And then it's a case of like whip, you're cleared in and the whip will fly over the formation and we'll start based on based on the we said the most important people, the people nearest to the lead. They will just make sure that that's set properly and then they will tell elements to move forward a unit. And it's just a generic unit. They'll say, dash three, move forward two. And they will look visually and say, when they when it's a nice formation and it looks superb, they say, right, that's good. Hold those positions. And you'll pick whatever reference works for you and memorize that and go, right, that's the one we're using um, 
and that that broadly is the way it's done, Rob. Wow. So obviously you never had that help actually on the day because by that stage, everyone had got their reference points. Does that involve ever sort of putting a little sticker on the other aircraft or marker on your canopy or whatever? <laughs> that all sounds a bit basic, but I'm sure I've heard things like that. No, there have been, there have been um, the, the Takano that we used to fly uh, in, in training. Uh, yes, there was a, a day glow orange sticker <laughs> uh, somewhere on the airframe. Uh, I can't quite remember, but, with its sole purpose was there to aid as a formation reference because I think there wasn't anything that naturally stood out um, to get the right spacing. Yeah. So that has happened before. <laughs> um, no, there was nothing, nothing on this. It was there's a lot of sharp bits and um, four planes and end of wing tips enough to to line up and say right, I'll I'll put that there. And you know that that sort of eighty percent solution. Um, the, actually, we did have the the whip flying with us up until a certain point because um, when we formed up all the formation and started to uh, start our, our long ingress all the way, obviously culminating in the palace, um, up to a certain point, um, the whip was able to be part of the formation and almost leave us with, right, there we are, guys, you're set. That's the best I can give you. Right. And then they had to uh, to fly away so they w- was able to to keep us whipped up until the last last possible moment really before then he had to to exit the formation because of all the other coordination yeah. that was going on yeah. yeah i mean the coordination throughout must have been colossal so i'm sure sh- you, you would have had your your departure times and coningsby the 15 of you would take off in fairly quick succession would you yes the um so big picture all of the the holding areas and the holding pens for want of a better so it were pretty much over the um uh the north sea just off east anglia northeast of uh, of east anglia um so all of the aircraft participating uh, in the in the winds of formation had taken off uh we had um p8s that were taking part from lossy mouth so each aircraft would have taken off on their own individual time to get to their holding area on their uh, allocated time and as it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's a, it's a holding area. It's theirs to, to marshal in until the time is right to um, to start to push off in your order. So it's it is it's a it's airspace. It's timing. Um, I mean, they're also included in that is is air traffic and uh, the as reservations of airspace. But essentially, yes, we in order for the Coningsby jets uh, well for us to to get to our hold. Uh, yes, we had a takeoff time. Uh, deconflicted from uh, well, the Battle of Britain Memorial flight. We're also taking off from Coningsbury, so deconflicted amongst local traffic, uh, but also our transit height to get to our hold because there there are other aircraft already established there. And then the next event essentially is to to leave your designated holding area on your particular time because from then on everything was time based. You had to be flying a particular speed, particular time, and if it all worked out well, which it did, everyone slots into their place in the train. And then, of course, the fly past train heads down uh, uh, down to Buckingham Palace. So as you come out of your holding pattern, that's when you then have to form up into the into the figure 70. So the way that um, the way that the typhoons did it was with having so my my formation till I joined up with the zero uh, was eight typhoons so that was seven who were going to make the make the seven and that uh, a spare so initially eight aircraft which you want to be able to maneuver maneuver um freely in that respect you don't want everyone in close formation then so i'm making sure that i don't have to avoid any kind of weather 
and monitoring my, my timing. So it's it, maintaining a formation that's maneuverable, but still close enough in one unit. So a sort of uh, loose loose echelon of, of, of the jets at that stage. Um, the way that then the, the Typhon did is I had my, my hold uh, parallel to me, about 12 miles away to the east, was the same hold for the zero. And then essentially they pushed out on their time. Uh, I pushed out on my time and we were on very slightly converging headings. So, and a lot of the, the success of the fly past uh, re revolved around being visual, uh, so the weather to be, to allow it to be visual, but that's also when you're you know flying seven aircraft to join up other eight aircraft, you, you don't want to be doing it in clouds. So, mm -hmm. but the way to, it's done safely and methodically is uh, all set off on your designated time, fly a known converging heading down to a particular point, and then it's expected that you'll be visual. And so if I was looking out to my left-hand side, I was visual with the other eight jets that were forming the zero. And the way we brought it together, Rob, is we got to um, uh, about a mile apart, and then everything became very controlled. I then had to make sure that my closure and acceleration was, was, was very closely controlled so that no large error, so we don't want to be breaking out there and have anything unsafe. And we get to a visual position where we go, right, now we're going to form into our designated zero and, and seven so the zero went first and the, the command you know, zero go they would then move forward onto their formation references once that was complete i'd call for us to form the seven and then i would make my small adjustments to get onto my reference and by doing that uh you bring the seven and the zero together um and and then we we then became typhoon formation as opposed to uh, an individual seven and zero <laughs> and by the time you've done that you're actually in the right the right space behind the, the i can't remember what the formation in front of you was yeah we well yeah. we had we um timing so we had to make sure that we were certainly on on speed and on time because everything as it was done by a ground speed so you had aircraft that were flying ahead of us um obviously right at the start of the fly pass where helicopters are obviously uh, mm. unable to fly as fast as the jet as the jets so your spacing and your um allocation and the route had, you have to be in the correct time on on speed and on time so that you're flying the right piece of airspace. We had the luxury that we were towards the the back of the fly pass. So the only people behind us were the red arrows, and there was a formation of uh, of hawks uh, directly in front of us. And we all knew where we were fitting into the, and we're all flying a similar speed by that stage. So um, yes, it's we have to make sure that right. I'm on my slotted time, and we had time to do that. There is time to take out you know, errors, but the contract was at a particular point, a navigation point, we had to be on our contract. And then if we achieved that, we were safe to go along uh, procedurally deconflicted from the, the rest of the players. Sure. So, yeah, it's, um, I mean, we do have, we do have the, the navigation kit and the computers to aid us in that, but there is still, you know, a large proportion of, um, yeah, individual leadership from the, from, from JJ and, and, and other elements to, to get that, get that, you know, eighty percent solution right, but um, uh, that's we we had the the benefit of being towards the back of the train, so a bit more flexibility. But um, certainly, uh, elements ahead of us would uh, had had to be on the, on their contract. Yeah, and and presumably within your own form formation, the aircraft are staggered. Are they downwards as towards the rear of the formation, so that well, you're not flying yeah. the forward aircraft's turbulence, and you can see each other. Yeah, that's right because it doesn't. You don't really see that from you're looking at no. a formation up. Uh, you you don't see that. But if you're 
uh, maybe looking side on. I think you might have seen some of the airborne footage that was taken. And exactly, if you were if to look directly side on, each level would be tiered down. So yes, a couple of reasons for that. One, you need to avoid the jet wash um, of the aircraft in, in, in front. And well, prim- primarily that really. Um, and also it's it gives a safety option as well. There's always going to be separation, you know, nose tail between the aircraft in front and side to side. So, um, but yes, there's, there's, so the zero, I think would have been about four layers, four tiers, mm-hmm. essentially from the front uh, to the back. So on, you're on the run-in now. What what sort of height are you at, and, and what sort of speed are you flying, or what exact speed are you flying? So yeah, the exact speed was 300 knots ground speed. So that was the that's what all of the um, every platform had to fly to their designated ground speed. So we were fortunate. I think there was that would probably equate to the same uh, indicated airspeed on the day. I think we had a crosswind of about 10 knots. So uh, but that. If you have a, that's important to know that it's ground speed, not airspeed. <laughs> so we are flying at 300 knots ground speed, and uh, the typhoon formation was allocated 1,200 feet. So when we were flying down the mile, that was the the lowest participants. I think were at um, 1,000. The highest maybe at 1,400. And that's also to get some some deconfliction. We talked about within avoiding jet jet wash from aircraft directly ahead of you. We that also helps offset the 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 e-flux from from packages ahead of you or behind. So yeah we typhoons we were twelve hundred feet. Uh I was looking sideways so I couldn't tell but uh, I was told we were at twelve hundred feet and uh, and three hundred knots as I was looking left uh, to form eight off JJ. Oh, amazing. So as you're approaching the mount, I mean, you're having to hold this formation for a long, long time. Whereas if you're doing a reds display, you're, I mean, you're constantly moving. I'm not sure what's easier, but I would guess holding a formation like that for a length, for a long period of time yeah. is, is, is tough. It is. It's, it's fatiguing. It really is. Um, and there's a phrase that's often used is that, you know, you, you've only got so much tracking juice or, you know, that, to use up, but it, it really is. It's, um, uh, and that's where I think, there are um it's if you give someone if you say oh, okay relax or something like that then suddenly before you know it you're, you're approaching the palace and you're telling everyone to get back on it and they've 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 relaxed too much and it's a shamble so it's that balance of like right we've got seven minutes to go stick on it guys stick with it um and it is it is it is quite fatiguing and i think um and I always used to laugh. So whenever everyone gets a temporal feeling of when they're getting closer and, and our leader was saying, you know, we've got, you know, 90 seconds to go or 60 seconds. And then you can almost see everyone tensing up a little bit when just don't do anything different. You know, everyone's been nice and smooth before just because we're getting nearer, but it's human nature. Um, but it is, it's, it is quite fatiguing actually. That's it. It's like you're set from the formation and we've got to hold this now for the best part of seven minutes. Wow. So you you can't see that you're approaching the mall because you're looking out sideways. So you, you never saw the palace. <laughs> so I I could because very as part of my sort of scan, I would scan left to look at JJ to make sure that I was on the reference. And I would also I knew the nominated heading and and it helped to me to keep my spacing from the, the seven away from the zero. I just so that I knew I was flying a constant heading, which would be the same as here. So I would occasionally just snap my head to the front. And as a gross error check, uh, check that my heading wasn't converging or diverging. But I, I didn't see the palace. I could see. I looked up and I could see the landmark that you, you cross the bend in the Thames uh, just prior to to that. And I could see that. And I said, "Oh, that was my gross error check for JJ." I said he hasn't gone wrong. We we are, <laughs> you know, we're not. 
we're not um we're not in the Isle of Sheppey or somewhere <laughs> like that. Um but yeah for a lot for a lot of the guys who are on the wing um yeah they're looking one direction and they have no idea where they are just relying on the lead being in the right place. Wow. But does what's going through your mind? I mean obviously you're concentrating phenomenally hard. But are you also at the same time sort of aware of of what's going on down there on the ground and people looking up at you not least her majesty? It's um not not really. I I think we're obviously aware of what the spectator, I think everyone at that time, I think everyone's so focused. They knew, you know, obviously the, the, the final briefing we had, everyone was so excited and aware of the occasion, wanting to pour, perform, you know, uh, to their very best, you know, in front of the Queen, this amazing occasion. Um, but really, I think in in the general, I think the sort of individual uh, professionalism takes over. They just want to be in the right place, mm. be on their formation reference. That, and in that immediate moment, I think it's the most important thing for them and probably thinking about later on, oh gosh, I've, I've just flown over and there were all those hundreds of thousands of people and and the boss on her balcony. <laughs> um, but I think I think actually running up to it, I think most people are thinking, I just want to be on the right place here. I don't want to be that person who's out of position um, and I'll just think about it later. But you, I mean, I I, I did know, so I've, 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 luckily I have done a few of these, a few, few Queen's Birthday fly pass in the Reds and it's, you still do get the adrenaline. I said, even if it wasn't pointed out to us that we were 60 seconds away, you get that, you get that feeling in the water. You know, just, uh, I know, I know we're getting closer now to the, you know, to, to time zero and it's exciting. The adrenaline's there, but it's just try and try and keep focused on your job. I, I, the, I think, I think the leader is the only person who really has the luxury of looking out and uh, surveying the, the scene yeah. in front of him. Yeah. And so when are you, so you've passed over the palace now and every, you wouldn't know how good it looked, I guess, until you, right. did you get back and watch it on BBC iPlayer? So <laughs> I didn't get, so, well, so we, after we left, um, immediately after the palace, we do a slight right turn and that's hard work, actually. That's hard work for the guys outside of me because it's very difficult in a straight line to turn. We, we then have to go wings level again because we've got Heathrow coming up. So we had to fly past um, uh, runway 27 at Heathrow and then a very small extension to, to Windsor. So we've got to still keep it all together. Wow. So, you know, the cameras are still on. Someone's always, you know, the phrase, someone is always watching. Um, and after we'd flown over Windsor, that is where everyone started to, the other formations ahead have gone off to the various places they're going to recover to. We separated as a seven and a zero. And then, of course, you've got about 20 minutes of transit uh, back to RAF Coningsby. And I'm I'm flying uh, ahead of the zero now. I'm sort of leading us all back. And I'm like, well, absolutely no idea. What, you know, it could have been awful. And so you've just, you've got no means of finding out. Uh, 20 minutes of like silence in the cockpit thinking, oh, I hope that went okay. Um, and then of course, when when the lossy mouth jets landed, we had to do a, what's known as a hot pit refuel um, to fly straight back up to lossy mouth. So we didn't have, oh, wow. even have a chance to, to get out of the jet. And so it's sort of word of mouth and pointing to the engineers and saying, what was that like? And, <laughs> and they were brilliant. They, they they came up with bits of paper and just said, look, it's brilliant, superb, um, which which is great. And then it was later on when we saw some of the photos, once I got back to Lossy Mouth, uh, it's like, right, actually, I think we did a good job. Oh, I can tell you. you I've, I've watched it back again and again and again, and it's just perfect. I mean, you must have had a pretty good debrief. We've got a – we had a, a sort of in-house local debrief uh immediately on landing um 
And by that stage, of course, everyone's landed, got out of the aircraft, switched their phones on now and been able to pick up some of the social media. So we'd seen some really good photos. So everyone was quite buoyant. And I have to say, even, even though we didn't know how it had gone, I think everyone had that baseline feeling that it had gone well. But until we got the photo evidence or the the, the video evidence, you know, I wasn't about to say anything. But it was great. We, we managed to um, – it had been a long day, so we sort of all headed off home. We've got a big um, formation debrief uh, with everyone, the Windsor formation, on Tuesday. So we'll top and tail some things to do with organisation through to um, to everything. Mm. But, uh, yeah, we, we allowed ourselves a slap on the back and a beer once uh, once we got back. <laughs> I bet you did. Quite right, too. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. And as I said, such a proud moment. I think for everyone who watched it, anyone who has any ounce of patriotism would have been enormously proud. But to, to have then found that I knew someone flying in it, and I've only just found out that I knew someone flying in the RF 100 now. So. <laughs> but it's just brilliant. So back to the day job. No one's rung you yet to tell you to get airborne because we've got an invasion on the way. So that's good. No, but- still, still here. And um, yeah, the TV's on, the doors open outside, the sun's shining. So no, nothing yet. No, no bells and whistles. Good. The um, the scramble, the scramble button is untouched yet to my left hand side. Uh, so no, safe, safe for the moment. Let, let's keep it that way. And the Mexicans holding all right, is it? Yeah, it's doing well. Not too spicy. It was not too spicy. So Good. I think that's why. <laughs> Zane, listen, we're immensely proud of what you and your guys achieved, uh, and all the teams, all the backroom staff, the guys and the girls, absolutely phenomenal. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. All right, brilliant. I've loved it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for for inviting me on. It's great to chat. Yeah, oh, bless you, Zane. Thanks so much. <laughs>